Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership, who are part of the Classroom Partnership, a collective group of education service providers who have been providing whole school recruitment, professional development and education support in the UK and internationally since 1999. I'm Georgie, Director of Learning and Development for the Classroom Partnership, and I'm delighted to say that today we're joined to follow up on our series of podcasts focusing on Rose and Shine's principles of instruction. And today we're joined again with Helen Morgan, a previous head of school, and Lorna Bradford, also a deputy principal of school and now our head of quality assurance and impact. So we've got some great introductions here to share. Um, And we're going to be focusing in on step nine, which is independent practice. In previous episodes, we have focused on previous steps of the principles. um, And it'd be great to just have a quick recap. So Helen, are you able to share with us um, concepts around Rosenshine's principles of instruction and where we are? Good morning, Georgie. Good morning, Lorna. Um, Yes, of course. So we've got the first nine. It sounds like I'm going down the charts with these, but number one is daily review. Um, Number two is presenting new material using small steps. Then we move on to number three, asking questions. Number four, providing models. Number five, guiding student practice. Number six, checking for student understanding. Um, Seven, obtaining a high success rate. Eight, providing scaffolds for difficult tasks. And then we come to today, which is number nine and independent practice. Thank you so much, Helen. And just and just to sort of um, reintroduce the subject um, and give everybody a little bit of a, a flavour around uh, Rose and Shine's principles of instruction. Helen, what what would you um, how would you explain that to um, somebody who's never heard of uh, these principles before? So I think a, a really good place to start with this is to think about um, where it fits into the the principles. So it fits into the stages of practice. Um, And so far we've covered guiding student practice, obtaining a high success rate, and independent practice really kind of links to that. If we look at what independent practice is, um, it's just pretty simply helping students to do challenging things themselves. That's the goal in terms of what teachers are trying to achieve with this. Lauren, I don't know if you want to come in. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as teachers in the classroom, we're striving to allow students to be successful independently. That's the end goal, isn't it? And the steps that we have to consider on the way to reaching that goal are embedded within this step nine of the Rose and Shine's principles. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of building on that, you know, in a a typical classroom, um, what you'd see is that, independent practice follows the guided practice that we've talked about in a a previous episode Um, and in lots of schools they're they're using the gradual release model um, to move students from dependence towards independence so many people will be familiar with that um, as the I do we do you do model or you know watch me join me now you try and independent practice in lots of respects is, is really about focusing on that now you try bit of the gradual release model. 
And it's probably, I think, you know, Lorna would probably come in here and agree, the most challenging bit for students. Of course. And and that's really um, around, first of all, their confidence, their resilience and their trust with their teacher. It's quite scary for a student to go away and try something challenging on their own, especially if they're worried or concerned about failing. Failure isn't something that students enjoy. You know, we try to embed in them that um, resilience and being able to bounce back when things go wrong. But it's certainly not a comfortable situation for many young people to be in. And so allowing them to develop that skill and feel comfortable to give it a go and know that it might not go brilliantly first time round is is a really important and special thing to master. Thank you so much, Lorna and Helen. That's It's great to hear the kind of, you know, the introductions there. And I think with sort of generically all Rose and Shine's principles instructions, it, it's important that this is something that's actually planned and, and prepared for. It's not an, an assumption that a, a student can actually work independently with um, with the practice. It's actually a way, it's a skill. Um, Helen, did you want to talk a little bit more about what this might look like in a classroom? Yes, I think, you know, when, when we kind of um, see it in the classroom, um, I think the, the key is that, you know, often it will be the student um, working on their own. Um, they'll be practising the new material that they've been working on with the teacher. So they'll have watched the teacher do some modelling. Um, so that watch me stage will have taken place. They'll have had some support. So they'll have taken part in the guided practice part of the lesson. And this is the, the part really where they're working on their own, um, generally for an extended period of time. And, you know, really kind of pushing on and, and trying that application bit. And, you know, I think lots of us will have spent time recently um, watching things like, you know, MasterChef or, or Strictly. And I think one of the things that we've we've learned from those shows is that the watch me bit is, is really important. So working with the expert um, and we see the dancers working with, you know, the, pro- the professional dancers but actually kind of that now you try is where they're really practicing um, on their own, obviously not on the dancing, but but certainly on MasterChef uh, when they go into the, the competition bit. Um, they have to cook by themselves. They get an hour and a half. And it's scary. Like Lorna said, it's scary stuff for people. Lorna, I don't know if you want to jump in there. Thanks, Helen. It's all about the groundwork, isn't it? You've got to put in the graft beforehand, the preparation, the building, the scaffolding, the hours and hours of practice to enable um, the skill to come into its full fruition, be that cooking or ballroom dancing, like Helen said, or more so in the classroom, um, providing a brilliant answer to an examination question or performing a skill with with mastery it's all about how well the teacher can facilitate that progress over time to um, layer up the confidence to allow their students to work independently and that takes a lot of long-term planning um, I think it was Georgie who mentioned at the start of this podcast that these things don't just happen quickly it takes um, a huge amount of skill and preparation to to be able to um, map this out over the, the course of a, a learner's journey in what, whatever stage of education they're in. 
Um, and it's it's about the teachers being brave um, to, to take off the stabilizers from the bike and know when that time is right and know when that student has um, got, got enough behind them to go forward confidently. Yeah. Absolutely, Lorna. I think, I think uh, it's actually also about a teacher having um, a really strong professional relationship with their students and and knowing each of their individual abilities and and uh, whether they're ready or not knowing each of the individuals within the classroom so helen is there anything else uh lorna's sort of articulated that so 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 well um around independent practice is there anything else that you'd like to sort of build on that yeah probably just a, a couple of things just that really kind of link to to what you've talked about which is that idea of preparation for independent practice and really knowing your learners and I think you know if if we think about learning um, as you know a bridge students start off and they're very dependent on the teacher then kind of there are elements of interdependence when they're they're working with peers before they get to that independent stage and you know, that interdependent bit might be that they've got scaffolds or like Lorna said, they've got the stabilizers on. But I think if students are going to do the independent practice bit well, then the really important bit is that they've done sufficient work to be able to be independent. So they need to have enough knowledge to be able to actually apply that knowledge in the independent practice. I think the other thing is what does the teacher do, you know, during that independent practice? And, you know, often you see teachers struggling with, you know, what what do I do to not interrupt the students whilst they're working? Um, And for me, kind of when you see independent practice done well, the teacher will just be scanning the class, possibly circulating. They'll know their class really, really well. And at that point, they know when to maybe go and check whether somebody is struggling They'll go and look for misconceptions. So they'll intervene sometimes at that point of need rather than let the student sit for 45 minutes um, and, you know, make a critical mistake and, and, and keep making that mistake. So the role of the teacher in that independent practice is still really important. Absolutely. Yeah. And and um, making sure that the, the students are sort of being able to repeatedly engage in the process. Um, so it's about connections, isn't it? It's about in, uh, giving them enough opportunities to connect to the knowledge and the theory that they've been taught. Um, so that they can then apply it on an individual basis. So, Lorna, would you like to build on that? Yeah, thanks, Georgie. I think there's something here around memory as well and the science of how the memory stores information. And for teachers to plan the development of acquisition of knowledge and skill over time in the way that we've already referenced, they should be assured that by allowing students to work independently and and, um, prove that they have um, successfully mastered um, that particular piece of information, that can then be committed to the longer term memory, allowing the teacher then to move forward with um, the new material that's still to be introduced, which can go into the the fresher or the short term memory. And it's um, it's kind of like a staircase, isn't it? Over time, you, you don't forget 
the bottom of the stairs what's already happened um but it's there to refer back to in in pre in future um situations so i think that that kind of trusting in the science of how the the memory grows is is important and interesting actually there's a, there's a lot of uh, neuroscience around that absolutely helen what would what would you share with us yeah i think i think that kind of neuroscience idea is really interesting about kind of how almost kind of working on the you know working on independent practice moves things into the long term memory i think the kind of thing that that builds for students and the benefit of that for students is it really improves their fluency um, their automaticity their ability to recall information and ideas really quickly and then begin to do something with that knowledge or with those ideas that that's useful for them and I think you know when we think about independent practice it's about students being able to to really kind of draw on their own resources so what they already know that prior knowledge that prior learning um, those things that they've maybe come across before um, that they can then use in that new situation. But I think for the teacher, the big benefit of that is when that long-term memory builds, like Lorna said, it really kind of frees up the, the, the short-term memory. So students then can put new things in there and, you know, the learning journey continues and, you know, almost it's an endless journey, isn't it? I think for all of us. Uh, yeah, I would totally agree. I'm still learning today. Absolutely. And and I love the fact that also I think it, it helps to visualise also the, the, what this may look like and the analogy of, of Strictly Come Dancing or taking your stabilisers off and learning to ride a bike is really strong um, sort of analogies that it, as a teacher, it is about using the appropriate tools with the learners to get them sort of embedded and, and, and practiced and at a point where they can take the stabilizers off. So I think it would be perhaps opportune to think just to give some examples about what it wouldn't look like in the classroom. I, perhaps one of you would like to, to share some of those concepts. Lorna. Thanks Georgie. When I was teaching um, in the secondary school I used to really look forward to the opportunity to give the students that chance to be independent because first of all, it was a chance to take a breath. They were silent, they were focused, they were working hard. And that moment of calm is really important. But secondly, it allowed me to see where my um, issues were, who was really struggling, who was grappling, but not quite getting there, who was not able to even put pen to paper because it was just too hard, because that would show me that I hadn't scaffolded it well enough for that young person. I hadn't allowed them to do the groundwork in the way that they might need to they might not have got that level of um confidence yet and that would then allow me to go over and very quietly whisper in their ear maybe start here or start there or write them a sentence starter or a note just something to give them that prompt and then that would be a really important reflection for my future planning into my lessons so actually thinking about what that looks like in a lesson is is important for teachers because it does need to be quiet focused work unless it's in a collaborative group setting but generally we're talking about independent practice we've taken away the the hand holding in that element um but in addition i think that the the planning that that then allows for is really valuable uh, and we may go on to this in a future podcast but the ability to then go back to that topic that has been um successfully mastered and test it iteratively so to go back and test on things that we've done in the past and 
and keep checking up on those as the journey of learning goes forward is is a really clever, savvy and efficient way of teaching, actually. Um, and I don't want to jump too far ahead there into what the next podcast topic might be. But I think that they do go hand in hand really carefully. Thank you, Lorna. And and it's great for you to able to pull and share on some of your sort of prior experiences as well. And, and recently coming out for school, you've seen it. And uh, I know that you're also doing a number of observations and, and have done in the past. So um, you've got some great examples that you can share, Helen. So uh, moving on then, I think Lorna's touched on some sort of um, top tips or what does it look like? Um, are you able to sort of share or, or build on, on to what Lorna was sharing? Yeah, I think, I mean, again, that's, it, it's such a great share, isn't it? Because, you know, to a certain extent, independent practice also gives you that really great feedback as a teacher from students and I think for me um, you know one of the things I'd really encourage teachers to do is to be brave with independent practice Um, you know as teachers um, I think we all have an inner control freak um, where we like to be busy and you know we want to kind of be doing things in the lesson but actually giving students the time and the space to work on their own to apply is really important and when you look at a lot of the research what what you see is that um, the more successful independent practice happens when teachers give students extensive opportunities and extended time to do that practice perhaps in less successful classrooms what you see is the teacher maintaining that tight control with little bursts of independent practice um, or little snapshots of it and I think for me um, I'd really encourage teachers to really think about that extensive independent practice but doing the work beforehand through that process that really enables that so through you know the modeling and through the guided practice and I think that can be really helpful. Yeah absolutely Helen thank you so much. So as we start to sort of move through our podcast journey ourselves um, are there any pitfalls that we perhaps need to to be aware of around independent practice? I'll open that up to both of you. Yeah okay I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start on that one. I think I think the pitfall for me or the biggest pitfall and we've touched on it today is that if you haven't done enough of the I do and the we do, so the modelling and the scaffolding, then the likelihood is that the independent practice isn't going to be successful because students haven't been well enough prepared and you know the the way that I often think about this is if you think about an elastic band um, if you don't pull the elastic band all the way back then you're not going to get enough kind of tension for them to spring forward into that task on their own it's going to be a bit of a damp squib and it's going to drop and flop quite quickly and for me, kind of, you've, you've got to work really hard on that pre-bit to make the independent practice successful. And that's not just one lesson, it's over a sequence of lessons. So that build up for me is absolutely key, Lorna. I don't know if you'd, you know, add or agree or, or build on that at all. I would really agree with everything you've said there, Helen. But in addition, I think that the relationship and um, the the mood and the atmosphere in the classroom is so important alongside what you've just said there. I think the teacher needs to be a cheerleader for the class whilst being really honest and open about the fact that, you know, you're seven 
10, year 11, year two, whatever it might be. This is going to be tough. We've done all of the work. We're ready. But you need to try really hard on this. And they need to be the motivator and um, the champion for that class to be successful because that will make the students want to do it. You know, every student wants to make their teacher proud, no matter what their needs or behavioural issues may be or their attitude. They do want praise. They do want to make sure that um, they're, they're being successful. And if their teacher genuinely instills in them a sense of we can do this, we can do it together, we work really hard on this, then the likelihood is they will. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Do the hard work, learn the, the skill or the, or the knowledge and then demonstrate it. If you go in there half-heartedly as a teacher, that's a really big potential pitfall. You know, if you if you don't quite pitch it right or frame it or explain what's going to happen, why it's going to happen, why it's important, then students are less likely to buy into it with you. So I, I think it's really important that you get that that feeling right in the classroom. And I've seen that lots of times in, in classrooms in primaries and secondary where the, the students are kind of a bit hesitant because they know it's going to be hard. But as soon as that time starts, Starts, they try really hard because they've they've been um, set up properly. I, th- I think that comes back down to the relationship, as you said, isn't it? And it's about being um, incredibly supportive. I love that concept of um, making sure that you get the students buy in um, and they believe in you, and and that sense of trust and honesty um, is is it's actually it's that golden moment as a teacher, isn't it? When you're when you're in a classroom, it's it's when you know that you. You've got them all working at their their own levels um, to the best of their own abilities, but they're comfortable comfortable enough to feel that they can try. And they might make a mistake, but they know that's okay, and they're going to learn from that as well. So I, I love that. I feel um, that's really re-energised me this morning, Lorna. So uh, on a on a dark, on a dark uh, Wednesday morning, Helen, would you like to uh, share a bit more from what Lorna was sharing? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, yeah, I'm smiling and and kind of laughing when I'm listening to that because I think you know when we kind of boil it all down we always go back don't we to trust and relationships and we know that children learn well when they feel really safe and valued so you know I'd, I'd, I'd totally concur with that idea of you know we need to kind of create the right conditions for successful independent practice and you know as the teacher you make the weather in your classroom so it's about making the weather um, so that that students feel that they can achieve and I think if you kind of you know when, when we think about kind of teaching and learning you know there are practices there are procedures and you know there are principles like rose and shine's principles but I think we always have to remember that there are people involved in that. And what we have to do is, is bring the, the people together with the principle and the practice to actually move things forward. And, you know, it sounds really easy, um, but it is quite complex. And, you know, as a teacher, um, teachers are really skilled at, at doing that. They know how children learn um, and they're really good at building relationships with children and if we can bring that together with something like Rosenshine's principles where there's a research base for how children learn best then the likelihood is that we're going to achieve more success with them. Would you agree with that Lorna? I can see you smiling. <laughs> of course absolutely Helen's hit the nail on the head there um, you know the, the young people all have their own characters all have their own needs but ultimately if, if they trust in their teacher if they have had 
had uh, the investment of time, proper preparation, there's no reason that we can't um, support these young people to be successful, independent learners, which is what, of course, we're aiming for. It's fabulous. And I feel um, now is a good time for us to sort of wrap up today. But what would your one key takeaway be from uh, from this session, Helen? I think, you know, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? And I think um, when we do these, these podcasts, um, we're all learning ourselves, aren't we? And I think for me, um, there'd probably be two things that I'd, I'd take away. One is the importance of the relationship um, between the teacher and the students. And the other one is to get to successful independent practice. You've got to put in the work beforehand with the modelling, the scaffolding and the guided practice. And I think for me, um, a key takeaway would be to trust in the process, trust in your planning as a teacher. Know that you've put in that preparation, but also be brave to plan these opportunities for independent practice regularly. Make it um, a regular part of your classroom practice, because the more that your students um, experience this, the more confident they will be um so be brave and enjoy it i love that i love that thank you lorna and and for me i think my key takeaway is actually to make sure that as a teacher we do allow time within the classroom for independent practice and and have the confidence to do that and not make it something that's that's set set for homework it is important that they're actually allowed to have time to practice independently within the classroom and allow you time to check in with them individually at the same time. So um, I think we've covered so much actually in such a short time today. We've we've talked about making the importance, as you said, relationships, Helen, and creating the right conditions to make sure that the children and our students in our carer feel safe and valued. Um, I've got down here lots of notes around about making sure that you're you're managing the weather that day. So you are the weather lady for uh, or woman or man for the for the day, making sure that uh, uh, you're the master chef um, and we've covered Strictly and cycling and stabilizers. So um, we've actually covered quite a few analogies, but I think they're all really good, important reflections that we we do need to think about. Thank you both today, um, Helen and Lorna, for joining us to, to talk around Rose and Shine's independent practice, step nine. Um, and in our next podcast, we'll be unpacking and discussing the final steps of Rose and Shine's uh, principles and instructions which is actually weekly and monthly review and it sounds really obvious but I think when you when you join us and listen that you'll hear there's a, little, a lot more to it. Um, the main purpose of uh, the weekly and monthly review is ensuring that previous learned materials not forgotten so it's about embedding learning into the long-term memory and I think we touched a little bit on that today Lorna but I know we're going to explore that a lot further next week. So you can pick up our After the Bell podcast which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational on your daily commute, on your treadmill, or if you're cooking the meal for the day. And they always laugh at me when I say that one. Um, this is After the Bell. This is your podcast for this week. Um, thank you for joining us. <laughs>